<clears throat> Good morning, church. You know, my voice was uh, like almost back to normal until worship. And man, I'm just uh, singing at the top of my lungs. And it's like, I should stop right now so I can have a voice to share. It's still a little raspy, but it's, it's going to be good. Hey, I just want to encourage you for next week. Um, Gunnar Avanellis, who's going to be sharing with us next week, happens to be my son-in-law, and uh, <clears throat> with the whole vision and uh, of uh, re- refresh, renew, and revive, um, there's a message that this man has that is just so powerful um, that I asked him to share and be a part of the vision for us as a church, you know. And then that evening, I want it really to be because it's going to be worship and prayer and communion but I want it to be a time of refreshing, renewing, and reviving. And so I don't know how exactly it's going to flow, but I just know that that this is something that the Lord's been laying on our hearts to do. Uh, We do do it periodically. We did a a Thursday night a couple weeks ago, a time of refreshing, renewing, and reviving. And again, man, uh, I just encourage you, make plans to be here next week. So if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount and in the kingdom ethics um, that Jesus is laying out for his disciples as as his disciples have come to him to be taught of him or by him. Now, if you are going to be a part of a kingdom, then you ought to know what the kingdom is all about. And if you're going to be a part of a kingdom and you're not the ruler of the kingdom, then you don't get to make the rules for that kingdom. But you want to be a part of that kingdom. And so if we are going to be a part of the kingdom, then we need to know what what the kingdom is all about. We, We cannot make up our own standards, our own morals, principle, or ethics, if you will. That's for the king of that kingdom to decide. He's the one that sets up those things, the ethics. And, and, and it is about our, our kingdom that we are a part of, the kingdom of heaven. King Jesus is the ruler. Now, what we have learned so far, and I hope that we truly understand this, as, as you've been with us, if you haven't, you can go back and listen to the messages. But what we have learned so far and that I hope we are truly understanding is that being a disciple of Christ, being a follower of King Jesus, comes with a whole different set of standards, morals, principles, ethics. These are morals and and, and ethics that we ourselves would not have put in place if we had our own little kingdom. They would be different. These, as I have shared with you, goes against our grain. (laughs) These ethics that Jesus is, is pointing out in the Sermon on the Mount, they go against every fiber of our being. And some of you guys who have been here, it's it's been hard to swallow some of these things that Jesus is telling his followers to do. Again, he's not telling the world to do them. He's telling us, as his followers, this is the way I expect you to live. They're not complicated. We just don't like them (laughs) sometimes. 
Now, as we enter into chapter 6 and into our text this morning, our text takes a slight turn or a bend, if you will, in what Jesus wants to get across to his disciples. And that is that Jesus goes from what the Pharisees taught, as in you have heard it said to those of old, or of those of old, he, he, he takes to now a different twist to tell us what the Pharisees did. In, in other words, Jesus now talks to his disciples about the deeds of the Pharisees. And he explains the motives behind those deeds. And by Pharisees, I, I, I include the scribes. I include all the religious leaders of the day. And so I'll, I'll mention the Pharisees for the most part. But it's all of them, the Sanhedrin, the, the, the lawyers, the, the scribes, all of those people that were involved in kind of putting a thumb on the people. And so when I say the Pharisees, you know I'm talking about all of them. So we're going to cover the first 18 verses this morning. <laughs> it's a lot of verses huh, compared to what I've been doing, but we're going to try to get through them. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deeds may be, may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will, will himself reward you openly, openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the, your door, pray to your Father who is in, sec, in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they will be heard for their many or their many uh, words therefore do not be like them for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him in this manner therefore pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither will your Father, forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, 
for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. For your Father, who is in the secret place, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Father, please, Lord, as we have read your word, Lord, please minister to our hearts and just help me as I deliver it, Lord. Help my brothers and sisters' ears to be open to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so as we go back to verses 1 through, th- one through 4, and he starts off this, this twist, this bend, this, this shift, if you will. He, he, he begins to, to speak to them, and it's almost like he grabs their attention and ours by saying, take hold to the mind towards, that is, pay attention to, be cautious about, apply yourself to, adhere to. In other words, watch out. <laughs> And be very careful. So now that I have your attention (laughs) with those words, I want you to take heed. Watch out. And be very careful for certain words that we've already read, read through that maybe you picked up on, but I want to amplify them a little bit because we're going to cover all these words and there's a lot of words in 18 verses. But there's particular words that I really want you to take heed of, to grab hold of, to understand that are in our text. Because in these first 18 verses that we just read and that we will cover, the word you is used 26 times. The word your. Now, you might want to get your pencil and paper because I'm going to give you all these words. There's a lot of words. I'm going to be very wordy today, if you will. But they're important words nonetheless. Word. So, the word you is mentioned 26 times. The word your is mentioned 21 times. Three of those times, though, are in that prayer to the Father. Referring to the Father, your Father. The word Father is used 10 times. The word when, and when is a very important word to note in our text, because it always it, it is always used in our text here before you. So when is men- mentioned eight times. We also saw the word reward, and it is used seven times. Also note the word secret, which is mentioned six times. And last but not least, the word hypocrites. And it is mentioned three times. And that word is pretty powerful. Now, the three things that we will be covering this morning in these 18 verses are charitable deeds, prayer, and fasting. And all of these were outward actions. They are still outward actions. But these were outward actions that the Pharisees were doing. This was their deeds. This is what they did in front of men. But Jesus reveals to his disciples 
the inward intentions that they really had. Now, these three things deal or pertain with others, with God, and with the person. These are the things that the Pharisees were doing. That the people were to be doing them as well. And we are no exception. Because again, as he says, this is what they're doing, but you, and that you is not just them, it's you, me, us, as well. But I want to take you back to the last chapter, and I will refer to this verse oftentimes because it's an important verse that we covered a few weeks ago in, in, verse, in chapter 5, verse 20, where it says, For I say to you, and Jesus speaking to his disciples, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So again, the people, the common people that are listening to him, the people that have been watching and around the Pharisees that see these righteous, religious guys, he keeps on telling us, and he reminds us again and again, unless your righteousness exceeds their righteousness. And so again, he's doing something different that the Pharisees, they put on the show he says all these outward actions that they're doing are different from our inward intentions that he sees. But he tells them, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. The words charitable deeds are one word in the King James Version, if you still have, if you have the old King James. And it is the word alms. And it means righteousness in the Greek. The NIV puts that portion of scripture like this. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen of men. I like the way it puts it like that. Alms, righteousness, acts of righteousness, charitable deeds. Jesus is saying to his followers, to his disciples back then and today, that these outward actions are not to be done in order to be seen of men. Because it is very easy, even today, to do outward actions to get approval from one another. To look the part. All the while, your inward intentions are so far away from God. You see, these outward actions that these guys were doing in order to be seen by men, they were doing this, but their inward intentions were to receive the glory and and, and the praise that was due to our Heavenly Father. They were receiving that. And God doesn't mess around with His glory. Don't mess with the glory, guys. That's His glory. And back in chapter chapter 5, verse 16, remember this verse, which is interesting because he's saying, hey, don't let these outward things be done in front of men to get glory from men. But he says this in verse 16 of chapter 5, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
guys see the difference there? Here he's telling us, don't do stuff in front of men. And yet he tells us earlier, hey, your light should be shining before men. You see, good works that he talked about are good works that should be before men. And acts of righteousness both have to do with giving or doing. And they are outward actions. But Jesus, again, is focusing on the inward intentions of the heart. That's what he is looking at continually. We could do everything on the outside. Everything. And people are going, man, dude, you're like amazing. You're always doing this, blah, blah, blah. You're such a servant of God. And people are going, yes, absolutely. I'm glad you noticed. He says, otherwise, if it's all to be seen of men, otherwise, you have no reward from your Father. You have no reward from your Father in heaven. So to understand what Jesus means about reward, and again, it's an important verse, or important word here, we have to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now you can jot that down. I have it in my notes already, so I'm just going to jump into it. 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 12 to 15, he says, Now if anyone builds this foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's works will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's works of what sort it is. If anyone's works which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's works is burned, he will suffer loss. loss. But he himself will be saved as yet as yet so as through fire. Whatever. This is what is known as the judgment seat of Christ. Or the Bema seat of Christ, as some will always say it, and I hate when people are like, oh, it's a bima, and people go, I don't know what the bima is. But I say that because you guys are going, oh, okay, I've heard that from some cat that thought I knew everything. It is the judgment seat of Christ. This is what is being talked about here. And what is tried or tested in the fire are outward actions or not so much our outward actions, our inward intentions, are all going to be passed through the fire on this judgment seat of Christ. Everything you do, everything I do, will pass through that. And what he will see is our motives behind why we did what we did. Everything. Now, I am no fool. Well, I am a fool in certain areas. But I am no fool to think that I am not going to have a lot of things burnt up. Because again, we do stuff and our motive, our, our motive back here is to get something or gain something. Even as Christians, we do that. I understand that. But normally, the way we do things and why we do things should be for the glory of God, not so we can look good in any way. But I know man and I know me. But you see, all my works, all your works, and what Jesus is talking about here. All our motives behind our actions will be tried by the fire. 
And whatever was pure, whatever was like gold, silver, and, and precious stones, that, that will remain. You will receive a reward for that. Maybe not so much here in, on earth, but in heaven, for sure. But he says this about giving your charitable deeds. Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or in the streets. Now again, Jesus is not trying to exaggerate here to make it sound like this is what these fools are doing. He actually saw this. This is what was actually happen, happening. These people who were giving their alms, these people who were doing their acts of righteousness, they were sending people before them. They were basically tooting their own horn or having somebody else toot their own horn. That's what they were doing. They were sending people in front of them. And the common people that he's talking to at the Sermon on the Mount, they understood that. They've seen these Pharisees do that time and time again. And they would see them do that time and time again after that. They did this just to show their outward actions of how righteous they were. <clears throat> but when you, when you do your charitable deeds, see the word when and you? <laughs> but when you, Notice once again, or notice here, that he says, but if you, that's not the word that he used, if you do your charitable deeds. Because if you use the word if, <laughs> that would mean, or that would imply that, that, that there's some, a, a doubt or uncertainty that you would be doing charitable deeds. If. That is why he uses the word When which means or implies a certain thing to do, without doubt, it will be done. So you could word it like this, but while you're doing your charitable deeds, it's implying, Jesus is implying, you are doing charitable deeds. You are giving your alms. You are giving. You are doing acts of righteousness is what he's saying. I love the picture that he gives us here. <laughs> that he says, while you're doing your, your deeds, giving, <laughs> he says, I don't even want your left hand to know what your right hand is doing. And I'm thinking, what an amazing picture, right? You know, it's almost like, your hand can't see. This one can't see either. Neither one of them can see. But what he is saying, what he is implying, is that, it's so secretive what you're doing in one sense that the giver is so readily to forget what he has gave, what he's already given. You're not making a big deal about it. You're not tooting your own horn when you give, when you do a charitable deed, when you're doing something. Wouldn't that be kind of hilarious? If it's time for offerings and everybody starts taking out, not their money, but their horn first. Jim would hate you. It's like, stop it. Don't toot your horn here. We're going to mess this up. But wouldn't that be kind of odd to do? But that's what these people were doing. They were tooting their own horn. No, he says when you're doing secretly... When, when you're doing it in secret like this, it is demonstrating true righteousness. 
from God or before God and not before people. You see, these guys who were receiving their reward from the pats on the back or the accolades that they're getting from the people, that was all their reward they were ever going to get. But he's saying to the Christian, to the believer, to the follower, your reward will be from your Heavenly Father. And it might not be in this life, but it definitely will be when everything passes through the fire. And then so he moves on, verses 5 through 8. He says, and when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites. For they pray, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogue and on the street corners, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Once again, Jesus does not use the word if, but when. Because it is a foregone conclusion that as followers, as Christians, we are praying. He says, you shall not be like the hypocrites. And now this is the second time he has used the word hypocrite and he will use it one more time when he talks about fasting. But who are these hypocrites? Well, believe it or not, he is talking about the Pharisees. He's calling the Pharisees hypocrites. Now understand, he's not saying it to their faces right now. Oh, he will say it to their faces. But he's telling the people who these people are. Isn't that interesting? Because he's called them the Pharisees and the scribes before. Now he's talking about their deeds. He says, let me tell you about these hypocrites. I'm thinking, that's pretty bold. Don't you think, Jesus, that they might go tell somebody? (laughs) One of the Pharisees. You know what Jesus called you? A hypocrite. Now, normally, when we use that word hypocrite of someone, we use it as someone who who has kind of fallen short of these high ideals. These people who who can't live up to these high standards that they have set for, for themselves and even for others. And they're very judgmental people. And people say, what a hypocrite. He's always preaching this, but he can't even do it. That's when we use the word hypocrite. But hypocrite is one who deliberately uses religion to cover up his sin. And in covering up his sin, he is promoting his own gain to be seen of men as righteous when they're really not. But they're using religion as a cover-up. Now, the, the Greek word translated hypocrite in the original meant an actor, one who wears a mask, a pretender. That's what a hypocrite is. They're pretending to be someone who they're really not. And Jesus says that these hypocrites love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to show by their prayers how how righteous they were. They did this to impress the people who saw them and heard them. And I am sure that the common people that would see and hear the Pharisees on a regular basis must have felt that they could never reach that kind of plateau. Look at how holy they are. They dressed in the garb, man. They had all this pomp in their life. 
And then they would pray, and I'm sure they would use these, these words that, that the people are going, do you speak like that? No, we can't, we can't speak like that. We're not eloquent like that. I'm sure these people just felt so inadequate when they went out and these guys publicly prayed in such a way that, that it was such a form of righteousness that the common people just felt, we can never attain to that. And as righteous as the Pharisees truly thought that they were, they had no reward from God awaiting them. There was nothing reserved for them, ever. <laughs> what they ha had intended to do by, see by being seen by men, that was all the reward they were ever going to get. I'm sure people were going, that was a beautiful prayer. Oh my. I could never pray like that. Yes, you can't. You can never reach my stature. And I, I actually believe that these Pharisees were arrogant enough to think, I'm okay with that. If this is all the reward I get, I'm cool with that. I think they were that arrogant. And then Jesus says, but you, when you pray, you go into your room and when you have shut the door of your room, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In other words, let your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. By getting away by, by yourself and closing the door of your inner chamber, basically, The reality is of this is that when the outward intentions or inward intentions are true and right, when you are before thousands praying, hundreds, tens, other people, you don't have to be like the Pharisees. You don't have to be like the hypocrites when you're praying in front of people. I don't care how many people you're praying in front of. If you're doing it because you know that you're talking to, to the Lord and not to impress anyone around you, God sees that. He sees it when you're in the secret place and He knows when you're doing it corporately in front of people. And, and let me encourage you with this, maybe even challenge you. There is no need to ever pray public or in public if there is no prayer going on in your secret place. Because if there's no prayers going on in your secret place in your own time, you have no business praying in, in public. You really don't, because now you're doing it for show. Because you really can't pray unless you have an audience. And that's sad. Because I've known people <laughs> who could pray so eloquently. And I'm thinking, come on. Are you trying to butter God up or are you trying to butter me up? Because I don't think he's impressed, nor am I. <laughs> but if you're praying in your secret place on a regular basis, then praying in public will never be a show. It won't. It'll just be honest. Just be pure. And then he says, and do not use vain repetitions. And a good example of this is is if you've been here on Thursday nights, we've been going through First and Second Kings. 
In 1 Kings chapter 18, we have a picture, a scenario of Elijah and the, and the prophets of Baal. And there's a challenge that's going on there, if you will. And we see that in that chapter, the prophets of Baal are repetitive in their prayer. And they're doing this all day long. Trying to get Baal's attention. And yes, Elijah is mocking them. It was a righteous mock. Saying, Where, where's your God? Is he sitting on the toilet somewhere? Where, where is he? Did he go on vacation? But they continue to do that to where they're cutting themselves. And they're doing this repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And it was all in vain. <clears throat> their God never showed up. And yet we see the picture of Elijah just praying, just talking to God, going, God, do your thing. And God shows up. No pomp, no nothing. Just going, Lord, show yourself here. That, that, that is called repetitive prayer. When you're praying and praying and praying, going, come on, God, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. Come on through, man, come on. It's like... He's not saying that you can't repeat a prayer. He's just saying don't do it repetitively thinking I'll do it if you just tell me enough times today. Now, and, and it could also apply to those who feel that they have to recite certain prayers over and over again in the hopes of gaining favor with God. That could also be repetitive prayer. But can I suggest to you also that using repetitive words to acknowledge God, 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 Father God, Father God, Father God, in, a, in one prayer, or Jesus, or Heavenly Father, or Father, and it's like, that is just repetitive words, and it's in vain. He already knows that you're acknowledging Him. Now again, I know some of you guys are going, oh geez, that's me, because I, I use like Father God like 20 times in one sentence. I'm, I'm just saying, those could be repetitive words. He already knows you're in his presence. Those could be repetitive or vain repetition. I, I, I like what, it, what Ecclesiastes 2 or 5 2 says Do not be rash with your words or with your mouth, and let not your heart utter things hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you are on you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. <laughs> you don't have to go on and on in a prayer. Now, I'm not saying don't spend time in prayer. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying, he, has, he already knows what you need, you need. Oh, he wants to hear your voice, just like any father would want to hear his kid's voice. But don't do it in a vain, repetitious kind of way. Now, verses 9 to 15, or as we get there, uh, verses 9 through 13, is what is called the Lord's Prayer. But it would be more accurate if it were called the Disciples' Prayer, because, because the Lord really didn't have to pray this kind of prayer. And it's not really even a prayer, although there are people who pray this as a prayer. And some, in some cases, they use it as a repetitive prayer. But this is more of an outline of how we are to pray. That's what he tells them. In this manner, therefore, pray. Do it like this. 
because it starts off with acknowledging the Father. Then it moves into worshiping His name, who He is, asking Him for His will to be done in our lives the same way it would be done in heaven if we were there or if He were here. Then and only then can we move into asking for our physical needs to be met. He understands that we need things in our lives He understands them before we even ask, but he's telling us here in this outline, hey, don't be afraid to ask for your daily bread. And it's daily. He doesn't give you all that bread in a week or a week's supply of bread in one day. I'd eat it all the same day. I should stay away from bread, but I would eat it. So he says, every day, ask me for what you need. Every day. Don't don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just every day. We have the privilege of asking every day for those things. But he also, or we also have the privilege of asking to help us in our spiritual needs. And part of that is forgiving daily. Forgiving people daily. And I say it's a spiritual thing because in and of ourselves, we do not want to forgive people. We want to hold grudges. We're good at holding grudges. And so in this prayer, or in this outline, he is saying, and ask me for, your, for strength to forgive other people, just like you've been forgiven, just like I've been forgiven, Lord, help me to forgive others. Asking for strength from and in temptation and protection from the tempter, the evil one, that he wants to bring us down. Now this last part in verse 13, the second part, it's not in most Old Testament or Old Manuscripts, this last portion of this prayer or the outline of this prayer. And this is what is called a doxology. And a doxology is a declaration of praise to God or a brief psalm or hymn expressing His power and glory. But I would say it's not a bad way to finish off our prayers when we have acknowledged Him, when we, we, we worship Him, when we're doing all these things, when we're asking for our needs and asking for strength and doing all these things that we would finish off with, but yours is the kingdom, the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. It's a good way to go. I just worship God again. Now it's interesting, in verses 13, 14 and 15, It's interesting that it is only this that he expounds on in this outline, and that is forgiveness. He expounds on that. Now, now Jesus is not teaching that believers earn God's favor or forgiveness when they forgive others. That would be contrary to the free gift of grace and mercy. However, if we have truly experienced, experienced God's forgiveness then we will be more readily able to forgive other people, knowing how much we have been forgiven. Ephesians 4, 32 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3, 12, 13 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and acceptable, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. 
If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And I love the fact that he expounds on that forgiveness. I think a lot of us have a hard time with that. And I know oftentimes it's like, well, I've forgiven them, but I just, I just hate them still. It's like, oh, I don't think you've forgiven them. You know, to be freed up from really just holding grudges is what he's saying. Don't do that. You want God's forgiveness, man? Then forgive other people. And then uh, verses 16 to, to the end of our text here where he says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now fasting is not something that people do on a regular basis. Or maybe you do. You just don't go around telling people you do. But Jesus didn't say here, moreover, if you ever want to fast, no, he says, moreover, when you fast. The only fast that God actually required of the Jewish people was on the annual day of atonement. According to Leviticus 3, 27, he says, also in the tenth day of the, of the seventh month, you sh- shall be the day of atonement. You shall be a holy con- convocation, it shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your soul and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Now the Pharisees, they were accustomed to fasting twice a week. On Mondays and Thursdays were their days of fasting. But they did it in such a way that people knew. I'm sure people remembered, oh, it's Monday. Oh yeah, look at him, he's all jacked up. Fasting again, can you tell? (laughs) I don't know, maybe the hair. (laughs) Again, Jesus is not just like, like, like playing this up. This is what they actually did. People knew that they were fasting. Not because they told them even, because they looked the part. They, They made themselves look the part so that they looked more righteous than the other people who were not fasting. They were putting on a show. And they did this, of course, to be seen by men and to win over the praises of men. How holy are you that you fast? And as a result, the the Pharisees, the religious leaders, lost the blessing of God for their affliction of their souls in any way. Because it was all for show. Now, it's not wrong to fast. It is not wrong to fast. If you do it in the right way and with the right motive of why you are fasting. Jesus fasted as we have seen, or we see in the the Gospels. So did 
the members of the early church, they fasted and prayed and did those kinds of things. And fasting helps us to discipline the appetites of our body. It's like saying no to your flesh. And it keeps our spiritual priorities on track oftentimes because of what you're doing. Again, you're not doing it to show anybody, look at how holy I am. I fast once a week, twice a week. You know, we've called for times of prayer and fasting. And again, it's not like, hey, let's just show off. Let's just see how jacked up we can look when we come to church. Fasting? Dude, it, it was so awesome when we did have our week of prayer and fasting. How many people, because I'm nosy that way, it's like, hey, did you? And, and they're telling me some of it. It's like, I would have never known that you fasted. Right on. Except that I was nosy. They lost their reward, but that was okay. <laughs> um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> By going, thanks a lot, Zeke. <laughs> oh, jeez. All of these outward actions, all of these outward actions, giving, praying, fasting, they weren't wrong. And the followers of Christ, of Jesus, are encouraged to do them. Not if, when. We, we are encouraged today to continue to do those things. Not to be religious. Not to look like a Pharisee. Not to, 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 to be, get the praises of men. These outward actions should have an inward intention. Lord, I, 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 I just want to serve you. I just want to do everything for you. And if this is what your word is telling me that I ought to be doing, that these are part of the kingdom ethics that we are to be following. Lord, do that work in me. Let it be in me, Lord. Oh, people might see them, but if you have the right motives and the right intentions, then you're not, you, you might not get the rewards here in heaven, but Jesus sees all those things. That is who we are. He's the king. He's King Jesus. We're in his kingdom. And he is gracious enough to give us his ethics, his principles, his standards, his morals. This is the way we walk in them. I'll leave you with two verses and we'll close up. Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Psalms 19.14 Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Father, as we look to you and we thank you, Lord God, for giving us your word. Your word is truth, Lord. I thank you that you, you, you have been so gracious to teach us and to show us, Lord God, what you expect from us, Lord. God, I, I thank you that you just didn't leave us out there to try to figure it out on our own. Lord, you've, you've given us instruction and we still mess that up. <laughs> but I thank you that at least you've given us your instructions, Lord. Help us to take heed to all these things that you tell us, Jesus. Father, I just thank you. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. As they hear these messages from your word, from the Sermon on the Mount, Lord God, 
that, Lord, if there's conviction that is falling upon them because of what your Holy Spirit is doing, then I pray, God, that you would take them deeper, that you would open up their hearts, put them in, in these areas, Lord God, where, where they will be able to do what your word is telling them to do, Lord. Stretch them to no end, Lord. Father, I know it goes against our grain in so many ways. But Lord, we want to be a part of your kingdom. And so Lord, teach us. Help us. Father, if there's any who have walked in this room this morning, Lord, they know that they're not even part of this kingdom. And yet they hear a message like this and it's so foreign for them in so many ways. And yet it's attractive because of who you are and because you've been calling them. And so if you've come this morning and for some reason you showed up to this place and this morning God has been calling your name to say, hey, I've taught you. I've given you something to go by. And you know you haven't been doing any of his morals, (laughs) his principles, his standards, his ethics. If you're here this morning... Just raise your hand right where you're at and I just want to pray for you because you need Jesus in your life. He died on the cross for your sins and he has drawn you here this morning. If if that's you, just raise your hand. Anybody? Blessed be your name, Lord. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for this morning. I pray that my brothers and sisters, Lord, would continue to follow hard after you, Lord that they would not be moved or swayed by anything that the enemy tries to throw at them. And even as their own flesh today has been wanting to be puffed up, Lord God, that they would humble themselves. Lord, you see our inward intentions. And so thank you for that. In Jesus' name.